25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 wide sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. It's Monday, Reaction Monday, in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast service, friendly service. That's what you get at Farm Bureau. Welcome into the show. Lots of ways for you to react with me on this Monday. I'd like to hear from you. I sure would. I'd love to hear from you. And lots of ways for you to be a part of the show. Call me on the Divini Equipment phone line. Your Kubota dealer. I got the uh, denim Kubota hat on today, Roger. Oh, that's a nice one. Yes, it is a nice one. That doesn't have the mesh in the back, does it? Nope. Hey, you were asking me. For your cold weather hat. That's right. Yeah, well, it does have the mesh on the back, but I'm indoors, so we're all right. Oh, good. We're all right. <laughs> you get that weird sunburn. That's Yeah, right. The little Specklehead. A little half moon on the back of your head back there, you know, from the 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 Velcro. Yeah, welcome yeah. in. No, um, Roger was asking me what the score was when LSU came to Starkville two years ago when State beat them. It was State thirty-seven to seven, and the game Saturday was thirty-six to thirteen. He was just curious; he couldn't remember, and he was like, "Are we looking at the same thing?" Well, it is kind of a reversal, right? Um. 37 to 7 the other way back in 17. And then a couple days ago, it was 36 to 13, LSU flipping the tables. We're going to get your phone calls coming up on the Divinity Equipment phone. 995 1059. Thank you very much. Homecoming Queen delivered my thermos full of coffee in it. Let's see if we can get her on the show here in a little bit. Uh, There's plenty of coffee in the thermos today from High Point Roasters in New Albany. Uh, you can text me as well at 885-ESPN or 885-3776. First up, listen, there's a lot of things that you point to when you lose a game. There's not ever just one thing when you lose a game. Now, you may have a one-point ball game, and as time expires, you miss a field goal. And everybody says... Just got to make a field goal. That's all it is. Well, it's true. If you made that, as time expires, you win the game. But there's a million other things that go into whether or not you won the game. Many, many other things. Now, let me just say that I want to set the tone for today's show. As we talk first about State and LSU, we're going to talk a little bit. I'll give you – I was able to get home and see – not all, but most of the Ole Miss-Texas A&M game. Pretty much every snap of Alabama versus Tennessee saw it. Watched every snap last night. Well, I take that back, minus the first 
you know, four plays, I guess, of the Dallas Cowboys versus the Philadelphia Eagles game. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Watched Jeffrey Simmons make his NFL debut yesterday for the Tennessee Titans as well against the Chargers. So it was a great weekend, but there's a mixed bag of results for, you know, who you are interested in, who I was interested in, those kinds of things. And I want to set the tone. Listen, we're going to talk today a lot about this idea of playing hard, playing with effort, playing together as a team. We're going to talk a lot about that, including the idea that the higher you go in football, the less credit you get for playing hard. What's the right way to say that? The higher the level of football you go, the more baseline it is a requirement that you play hard and with effort. Because I'll be honest with you, I've played on a lot of good teams and some, frankly, great teams at Mississippi State. Ten win teams, SEC Western Division title team. Win or lose, no one, I never felt at all like we ever got credit for playing hard. For playing a good portion of a game. Boy, they we really played a good three quarters. So what? It, that's not reality. Okay, so let's set that as for this show as a baseline to start with. We don't hand out credit for playing hard. That is the baseline expectation. All right, let's go. First up on the Divinity Equipment phone, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. Enjoyed being there on Friday. Lynn on the phone. What's up, Lynn? Hey, Matt. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, you kind of answered some of what I had to say right there in the beginning, playing hard, because I, uh, I thought we played a lot harder Saturday. I thought if we played that hard the previous two games, the outcome could have been different. We we was losing Saturday, I think, just about regardless. But uh, you know what I no, think? Man, I, you're Lynn, right, Lynn. Here's what I think. I watched State go down the field on that one scoring drive there in the first half, and coming into the game, I watched LSU on you know television and watched their games over again, and you knew you're going to have a hard time stopping their offense, but their defense. While they have some great players, they have a defensive end who's going to be a first-round pick, all that. They have some great players on their defense. Delpit, their safety is great. But they are not unbeatable. They've given up points. I expected right. State to, to put some drives together and put points on the board. So, And, and when, and when I saw that drive, Lynn, when I saw them go down there and put that scoring drive together and they hit some big throws, to me, it's just another signal that like I said on the postgame show, it's not a matter of can they do it? Are they capable of doing it? Do they have the ability to go score points? It's That's not even a question. They keep proving to you in a little spurt here, in a little spurt there, absolutely they're capable. Absolutely they have the players to do it. They just aren't executing. This sounds like coach speak. They aren't executing what they're calling consistently enough, play after play, for it to add up to scoring drives. Um, and that's kind of where they are. But it's not a matter of ability 
with that state offense, and I really believe that. I, I agree. I do got one other thing I want to ask you. Did I hear uh, Coach Moorhead right when he said he don't have a quarterback sneak in the playbook? You know, it may uh, be. I don't know if you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, I, I do think I heard him say that. And that, to me, that, that makes no sense. Okay. Was it in the post game? maybe when he said that? Uh, man, it's on one of them things I, I seen on Facebook. I think it was a post-game interview. Okay, might have uh, been. We didn't have that lengthy speech. Okay, uh, okay. But so anyway, it was a press conference I'm, uh, last week. I'll get off here and listen. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll get off here and listen. Let's take some more calls. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, Good thank you. Thank you, Lynn. Call me anytime. Um, I know and uh, I got to talking a bit ago and lost a couple other guys. Y'all call back if you get a chance. Well, I'll get right to you. Yeah, I mean, they're a shotgun offense. Uh, it's very possible that in that offense, is, I don't know if there's anything they're doing under center uh, at all. So if they're not under center at all, then uh, very well may not have a uh, quarterback sneak in there. Yeah, and did did start the game with a uh, getting stopped on a fourth and one out behind midfield. It gave it to LSU on a short field, but the defense then held them to a field goal. And I think part of the reason, part of the reason – that to begin the game, State's defense held LSU to just a field goal. Part of the reason, they made plays, but part of the reason is because of where LSU took over the football past the 50, they didn't run their scripted plays they were going to run to start the game. Because the field position is totally different than what you expect to start a game with. So they're in the plus territory for their first possession. It takes them out. They complete some short stuff. And then State just made some one-on-one plays. I mean, C.J. Morgan bats a play a, a ball away and man-to-man, a Louisiana kid who I thought C.J. played an outstanding ball game at safety until he got his bell rung a little bit, ran into the ground. And you go face first, full speed into the ground on a play or a tackle, I can just tell you to knock you crazy, uh, knock you into next week. And, and sure enough, he actually had a busted coverage out on the field after that. But But overall, he played really well. But this, I, you know, the stuff about effort, it's, it's an expectation. I mean, and, and I'm just going to, it's funny we're talking about state versus LSU because this happened right after a state versus LSU game. This was about 2000, I guess it was 2013. Um, you guys remember that? Okay, the stadium was still under construction. State was hosting LSU in 2013. Dak Prescott started the game. This was the year that, you know, they wound up going being a six-win team. Prescott started the game and made some plays, had a long touchdown run early in the game. You're just hanging right in there with that 2013 LSU team for three quarters. And then LSU scored something like something like 24 points or something in the fourth quarter of the game. Again, I don't remember the the exact number, but it was something like over three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and it made the final score 59-26. to 26. For three quarters, it's close. Fourth quarter, blow, blew, blew the doors off. And in the post-game radio show, we were at the time at a different restaurant for post-game than we are now, Bart Gregory hosting, and I go there after the game. I said on the radio... Look, you know, just as a former player, I don't ever remember getting patted on the back for playing a good three quarters. All four quarters matter. Okay, the the last play of the game 
will stack up and mount up with all the others just like the first play of the game. Yeah, momentum, but it's full four quarters. Nobody gets any credit for keeping it close. I mean, it's moral victory territory, but I think what I said was nobody ever patted us on the back and said, hey, way to go. You really played well and played hard for three quarters. And I followed that up by saying, you know, if you're talking about raising the expectation of any football program, then you simply cannot accept and stomach giving up 24 points in the fourth quarter of a game defensively. That's a whole ball game worth of points. Well, that's what I said. It was a fact. There was nothing uh, non-fact about any of that. And about a week later, someone passed word along to me that Dan Mullen wanted to get word to me that he needed me uh, on the radio broadcasts, for the school anyway, he needed me to be more positive about his football team. <laughs> okay. And, uh, He's the one that came up with relentless effort. <laughs> right. Intensity. Maybe I went. You just feel the intensity in the air. And, Roger, maybe I went too negative. Maybe there was too much in there. It could have been. I don't know. Uh, maybe I went too far. I, I didn't think I did. Nothing I said was not fact. Okay. And he was right. He did need me to be positive about the football team and the program. Less than a year later, they were number one in the country. The number one ranked team in the country less than a year later. He knew. He could see what was coming. It's just a process they were going through and didn't necessarily like my negativity. It made it back around to him or he heard it himself. I don't know. Well, truth hurts. Roger, the truth hurts. Okay, and this is what I want to say. There was better energy for State in this game. No question. Better energy. Well, you're playing at home. One of the biggest feathers in anybody's cap in that State LSU game on Saturday are the fans, State fans. After all the BS that had been thrown around for a solid week about, you know, we want a new coach, and I'm out. And I've been a season ticket holder for 35 years, and I ain't going up there anymore until we make a change. And blah, blah, blah. After all a week of that stuff, the, the stadium was not slam full, but it was largely full. Most everybody participated in the planned whiteout. It looked great. It sounded great. It was loud, and it was an outstanding atmosphere for a 2-30 game against an SEC team. State fans who went to that game and were there for kickoff, every one of them deserves a lot of credit. They really created an atmosphere that that team needed. And guess what? That defense responded right off the bat. They responded right off the bat. I mean, and, and you know, they had energy. Yeah, they had energy. Played with energy. Well, again, listen, that's baseline expectation. It's not like we get a gold star for playing hard and with energy. That's what is the baseline requirement for putting the uniform on at that level. So it was... It was part of it, and why they're in the game. We all sure showed up to the stadium good. Showed up to the stadium good. The Sounds run- like you were describing that. What my boss said, uh, what do you want? Uh, praise you for doing your job? That's it. <laughs> I, I don't want a pat on the back for doing my job. 
And then the other thing is, okay, as the game goes on, we start to see again that the running game just isn't quite good enough, again, against an SEC opponent. LSU's pretty good up front, yes. They're not great. They're pretty good up front. The, the running game, not good enough. There is something going on with that offensive line. Part of it may be injuries. They have had to mix and match. Just a few snaps into the game, the right tackle, Greg Island, your starter has to come out. You send the backup in. He played the whole game. Seems like every week, backup center has to go in a little bit. They're mixing and matching, moving players around. I get all that. Are we still getting that impact from the the suspensions? Or whatever? No question. Overall, Roger, there is impact from that, and it can't be overstated. That I mean, that's tough. You're the only team in the SEC dealing with something like that. That's tough. Okay, fine. But most of those are on the defensive side of the ball. There's something going on with that offensive line. They aren't popping people and moving people around in the run game. The inside run game, they're getting nothing in the zone run game in the middle of that offensive line, guard to guard, which the inside zone run is a big meat and potatoes part of what you're doing. I mean, the longest, the most yards gained on an inside zone run the other day, I think, was like five yards, and that was by Kyle Hill on the first carry of the game or first series of the game. The longest rush from scrimmage for State was 12 yards by the quarterback. Kylan Hill's longest run, I think, was 11. Against that LSU defense, they're going to do some good things, but let me tell you what else. They're going to give up some yards to a lot of teams they play. No explosive plays in the run game. Something's not exactly right on that offensive line. They've got to be better in the run game. Warren on the Divinity Equipment phone. What's up, Warren? Hey, what's going on, Matt? Uh, I need you to do me a favor. Uh, Beaver is expecting his box of chocolate for Halloween, and Brooks said this morning that he promised he's going to get it for him because he's been waiting a year since last Halloween, and Beaver doesn't believe him. So can you jump on Brooks and make sure he goes to Kroger and gets him his (laughs) box of cereal? He doesn't have to get it from Amazon, see? Look, because that's the only time they sell it is around Halloween. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, I'm almost, I'm very rarely there, and I almost never see Chris. So I'm gonna have to pass this one off to Roger. I will. Okay. Chris sits in the car until until his intro starts playing. (laughs) All right, Roger. You got the campaign ribbons. That's your job now. All right, man. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Y'all have a good one. Ah, you too, Warren. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, Halloween is coming up, isn't it? Um, Halloween candy. I'll just say this. I know a lot of people hate it, but the Wyatts, we like candy corn. We're a candy corn family. Roll your eyes. I don't care. We all like it. We all like it and we eat it. Too much of it at times. So you want to make us happy, send us some candy corn. Another uh, K-Row syrup also. Yeah. 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 Um, Same stuff. Right. Same stuff. Just drink the K-Row syrup is basically what you're saying. I mean, it's just basically right. You know, Corn syrup. <laughs> it's right. Which, which is delicious. Oh, it's yeah, it's delicious. I'm more of the uh, the peanut uh, butter toffee that comes around that time of the year. Yeah, uh, I hate that stuff, orange. man. You I hate, hate it? Oh, I hate yeah. it. It comes in that, like, brown and orange wrapper, wax yeah. wrapper. I hate yeah. it. It reminds me of the Cleveland Browns uniforms when I see that stuff. Yeah, see, so everybody's got their own preference. Look, 
State's running game has to be better. That's going to be a theme going forward. Um, you know, when they go to Texas A&M this weekend, they have got to figure out a way to block some people and run the football. They got to get something going in a running game. You know, Cotton Hill started to show a little frustration. Um, at the near the end of the ball game, I saw something I didn't like. Uh, Kylan Hill, this is fourth quarter. They were backed up, coming off their own goal line. Kylan came up limping a little bit, needed to come out of the game. And Nick Gibson, the backup running back, it took him a minute, I guess, to find his helmet and get in there, and then he just barely jogged out there to go get in the offensive formation. It's like he – you know, I don't know if he's hurt, but if he's not, it it was almost as if he was intentionally just kind of loafing to get out there and line up and get in the huddle. I didn't like the body language. I just did not. I, I just felt like I started to see some frustration coming through in the run game part of this deal. And look, there's nobody else on that football team that can physically open a hole and make room for a running back to run than guys on the offensive line. And maybe they're hitting some people every now and then, but they're not hitting them enough. The holes aren't there. So I got to watch the film myself, kind of go back and watch again and try to figure it all out. So they got a running game issue. Game management could improve for State. Now I'm going to get to your texts uh, next, and we'll talk a little bit about what I saw in that Ole Miss and uh, Texas A&M game. But we got a long way to go here today on a Reaction Monday. Good phone calls are ready to start, and I'm coming to the text line. It is loaded up. Bama and Madison, Antonio, Nick, QB1, True Maroon, Rebel Godfather, Chad, Resdog, everybody coming to your text next. Y'all stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show. Farm Bureau Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go. With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. All right. Ole Miss, um, yeah, they're right there neck and neck at home with Texas A&M. A great chance to win the game. You know, going back and uh, I, I sat there and, and watched the majority of it with uh, the homecoming queen because of the early game at State. I was able to get home to, to watch most of it on television and they had opportunities, right? They get the ball back with opportunities to go and win the game. So the positive there, two major positives in the Ole Miss loss are, one, they are starting games with some punch. They are starting games with some execution. They are putting some points on a board early. They are making plays in the first quarter of ball games. that's that's giving them a feeling of progress and of, you know, a chance. But then you have to finish. Again, it's just like I'm talking about earlier with State. Nobody's going to pat you on the back, and teams in their locker room aren't really all that happy and proud of themselves just because they give themselves a chance, just because they played a great half. That's not the world that competitive sports lives in. And – what I think happens is preseason, Ole Miss's expectations were so low that now we see them score early and 
we see them have a chance here and there, and, a, and they play well a little bit at Missouri, but don't finish it, and play well a little bit early against a but don't finish it. We're like, oh, okay, well, attaboy. Pat them on the head, attaboy. But look, that's not what this is about. you got to finish games and figure out a way to win. There's something to be said for knowing how to win. <laughs> Gosh, it seems like such big umbrella. It's, you know, big coach speak, but there's just something to it. Some teams figure it out. Look, BYU doesn't have a great record. They just upset Boise State. They Remember, they won in overtime in Knoxville. They beat USC this year. None of those teams are really supposed to beat, and they don't necessarily recruit with or against any of them. And they're not necessarily a great team, but they are maxed out. Kalani Sataki at BYU, that is a well-coached team at BYU. You know how I know? They are scratching they are scratching the surface of their potential. They are just about playing to their capability week in and week out. And sometimes their capability is not good enough against teams they're playing. But against a lot of teams, it is. And against the top 25, very good Boise State team, Boise State stumps its toe, and BYU takes advantage. Why? Because they're playing to their capability week in and week out. Why? Because they are well coached. And so you don't get credit for not finishing the game. That's let's don't we can't lower our expectations. That's what I'm saying. Now I'm not an Ole Miss guy, but I'm saying us, we collectively following two major teams in the state of Mississippi. I'm a state guy. Same thing. You don't want to get in a position where you're lowering your expectations so that you feel better about the situation. That's not big-time competitive sports. This ain't my golf game. That I just described as my golf game, Roger, when I still played. I lowered my expectations every time I went out so that I would enjoy myself a little better. <laughs> as long as I, <laughs> and I can do that with my golf game because nobody cares and nobody's buying tickets to watch it. Nobody's investing in my golf game. Nobody else involved. Okay, So I can lower my expectations all I want to. But for Mississippi State, if you're a fan, if you're a player, if you're a coach, if you're an AD, if you're the radio guy, none of us are doing the right thing if we are lowering expectations. What are we doing? In lieu of we're saying we're going to – it's reality? Are we going to say, okay, well, reality – okay, I get it. I, to me, reality and expectations don't have anything to do with each other. What do they have to do with each other, Roger? Oftentimes in the sports world, not a thing. But the thing is, okay, reality of of a school's past, of what we thought of Ole Miss in the preseason, of what they're up against from a scholarship standpoint. Uh, reality, state's got you know, uh, less players on the field because of academic suspension stuff. I get it. That's reality. So, therefore, I'm going to lower my expectation for the way the team plays. For what, you know, no. Who in a competitive world wants to lower expectations? I don't understand that. Everybody involved with a team, players, coaches, fans, radio guy to the janitor, we should all be working every day to raise expectations and then try to live up to it. <laughs> We're not lowering expectations. And so I encourage fans that we don't do the same thing. You don't lower expectations. 
Ole Miss has got to run the ball. Did I see something about Plumlee getting hurt? Y'all let me know if that's a deal. All right, here we go. The text line. Watch me. I'm going to machine gun through this here. Antonio texted the show, and he said, Who dat? No breeze, no problem. What do you think? Uh, what, what do you think about the Saints? They are a very good football team. They have a great culture in the New Orleans Saints locker room, and that's why you can plug and play at certain positions, even at quarterback. These people saying Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL next year? No, he's not. And if you'll listen in hour number two, I'll tell you why. Bama in Madison. Mississippi State played hard. They didn't have a chance in hell to win, but their defense was very impressive. You give up 36 points, that's not an impressive effort against anybody you play. I'm not going to sit here and lower the expectations simply because Joe Burrow and that team are great. If you play in the SEC, every year you're going to play against at least one Heisman candidate. And if you go give up 36, you're losing the game. That does not mean that I am not positive about State's defense coming out of the game. They did a lot of good stuff. They really did. But even the players on the defense would tell you, don't tell us we're impressive if we gave up 36 points, and I don't care who it is. That's what I'm talking about. We're not going to lower expectations just because the situation changes. Uh, Text says, Coach Moorhead seems to be an emotional roller coaster, and so does the team. I actually disagree with that. I don't think the team was an emotional roller coaster, but there's certainly the idea that, you know, Coach Moorhead has turned it up a little bit and starting to let it rip. And I think that's maybe it could be listening to criticism some, you know, listening to some, hearing some. Maybe it could be. Apologies to Facebook and Twitter. We got your volume up and going if you're still there, and we'll get it restarted in hour number two. Nick says, if a restaurant owner hired a chef that burned steaks every night, customers are going to quit coming and the business is going to fail. That's what Moorhead is doing to this program. Nick, I disagree. I think it's too early to have that assessment. It has not been pretty this year, but there are some built-in excuses, and the year's not over. I want to see the whole ball of wax. I want to see him against Alabama. I want to see him against AM. I want to see him against Arkansas. I want to see him against Ole Miss, against Abilene Christian. You will not feel that way, Nick, and you will not say that if they win six games, go play in a postseason somewhere, win that one with a freshman quarterback. QB1 says, so you agree Joe was ridiculous with the postgame speech. He seemed too happy that we played harder than we have most of the year. Listen, we need to understand something. Press conferences are that's press conferences have this they all know this is public, okay? And there are certain things said and certain displays made and it's almost always for a reason. <laughs> you know, they're going to take anything he says in a press conference and it's going to possibly be all over Twitter on the internet and website and so recruits and all that kind of stuff. So much of what a coach does publicly is all about a message and a certain theme of positivity because you are publicly recruiting. You're out there recruiting. Do you think that any coach is saying the same things in a press conference that he is behind closed doors in a coach's meeting? No. Never. If they said publicly the things they said about themselves, 
if they said those things, the, the stuff they talk about in meetings and watching film, if they just went out there and splattered that publicly, <laughs> it would get used against them in recruiting. Look, these guys talk bad about their own players. This coach here is talking about how many mistakes he made. They're not going to say this stuff publicly. Keep press conferences in perspective with any coach. Now, with that said, I did see Rich Rodriguez losing his mind <laughs> during the game in the coach's booth. And again, it's easy to look at that and you go, man, that guy's got issues. That guy's got emotional issues. Um, They all do that. Well, I don't know about all, but pretty much every coaching staff has at least one guy sitting in the coach's booth upstairs who's like pounding the desk and hollering during the game and nobody can even hear him except some poor guy on the other end of the headset. So, it's an emotional deal. What about Dak? Let's talk about it. Stick around. All right, back on the show. Let me load back up here with some coffee from High Point Roasters in New Albany. Go to highpointroasters.com and Dan, the coffee man, will send it to you on your front doorstep. And uh, you can get it ground already or you can buy the beans roasted and ready for you to grind and make your own coffee. It's the best. It's just the best. It's amazing how many places, too, I go around the state, Roger, and you know, they serve coffee, restaurants and coffee shops and breakfast places. And how many places that serve coffee are actually getting their coffee from <laughs> uh, High Point Roasters in New Albany? They know. They know. Uh, here, quick, on the text line, Rebel Godfather said, didn't state suspended players play against Tennessee? Yes, they did. And, and your point is they played and still lost that game. That's right. Now, the overall effect of, you know, in and out and in and out, you could very well say that, you know, you could you play a guy in this game and then three weeks later you play, play him again, all those reps you miss affect that player's development. Now, he's healthy, but to your point, that's it. I mean, this is not a deal where you're beating everybody you play with them and you're not without – it's not – I mean, Willie Gay and Lee Autry played against Tennessee. But again, defense is not the reason primarily that you are, are losing and are having a really hard time with your fan base and everything else. It's not necessarily defense. I know the, the situation at Auburn, but you gave up, what, 20 points at Tennessee on the road? Uh, defense held you into the game against one of the country's best, if not the best, offense this past week. You had a chance for it to be a one-score game going into the locker room, and the only thing from a from an in-game scheming and decision standpoint that I disagreed with, I say, you know, I almost use the word critical. It's not really critical, but I'm saying that I disagreed with was State had been super aggressive, calling reverses, reverse pass, different things. They they threw the ball a bunch, and Schrader goes three or four on the scoring drive, throwing a ball. These different things. They were aggressive, pedal to the metal, going after, went forward on fourth and one to start the game, all that. I get it. But when you get to the end of the half and you have the football with a few minutes left, with a freshman quarterback, 
and it is third and 15. And LSU with a lead in a one-score game just before halftime. Third and 15 for you with a freshman quarterback. And LSU is getting the ball to start the second half. Even before you get to third and 15, that's when you got to go conservative and take the approach. They're getting the ball to start to third. What we can't do right here is give it back to them, let them extend their lead before halftime. We have whatever we do with this ball, punt or score, we must do it with all the time that's left. You should be wasting time. You should be letting the clock get down, seeing if they want to go ahead and use timeouts to stop you. And then when it's third and 15, I just didn't agree with the decision to put the freshman quarterback in a position of dropping back, throwing the ball when they're going to come get you or drop everybody in coverage one or the other because it's third and 15. And that's when the interception happened to the underneath linebacker. Next thing you know, boom, they score before half. And now they've extended their lead and are getting the ball to start the third quarter. So I didn't like putting him in that position. And I also didn't like with about 40, you get the ball with 41 seconds left and two timeouts. And to just really, you know, not use it to run a play and just go into the locker room. And I think that's the time to be aggressive with 41 seconds. In the situation of the game, the time to not to pull back and, and for the first time not be as aggressive was when you got it with three minutes or whatever it was. And I think sometimes we see this. We saw it with Dan Mullen, a play-calling offensive head coach. He's the head coach, but he's also the play caller. It is more difficult for them to sometimes nail the game management and clock management part of all this because they are fully focused on calling plays and scheming against the defense. That's a situation where a lot of times the head coach, when it's, when you got a head coach and he's got a coordinator doing all the play calling on both sides, a lot of times those head coaches do a little better job of managing that clock and the situation in the grand scheme. Make sense? Chad on the text line. Matt, do you think the issue with State's offensive line goes back to possibly training different in the spring, summer, fall practices? Chad, let me tell you, brother, I wasn't there for the summer workouts and the strength and conditioning program. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. This is So this is merely an observation from afar on that kind of thing. I believe something may be lacking or maybe was lacking in the offseason strength and conditioning. I until I see otherwise, I I just believe with everything in my gut, they have very good well, they have good and potentially very good players on that offensive line. Daryl Williams has been a very good player in his career. He is a prototypical NFL guard or center. Stuart Reese has been a very good player in his career. Started as at tackle as a true freshman. Wasn't he a freshman? I think. I know he was a sophomore when he knocked Alabama's guys up and down the field back in 2017. Had a great game. You know, these other guys. Parker, I, I know there's been some injuries in and out, moving guys around. 
I just believe they are better than they are showing. And what is what worries you the most is there just doesn't seem to be the same aggressiveness and physicality that you've seen in the past from some of the same players. And I know this. People who've been around the SEC know this. Whatever you're doing in the offseason, when you think you've done enough, you better do more. It's not enough. It's never enough. I think they 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 are going to have to take a really good, close, hard look at strength and conditioning and the routine and what it's going to take to get players to overachieve. Are you saying they're not self-motivated, not do it? Like when you talk about back when you were playing that you would – work up extra practices with your receivers and mm. you think there's not a lot they of that going that. on well okay. they they all do that roger what i'm talking about is even the most motivated guys from a strength when you're talking about pure physicality strength and explosiveness they can think they're doing enough and it's that coach's responsibility to make sure they're doing more and because you're going to get into the sec and realize that that everybody talks about outworking their opponent in the offseason strength and conditioning. Everybody talks about it, but only the smallest number of teams actually outwork people. What's that saying about championships aren't won during the season? That's they're, it. They're won in spring. Whatever. This is an absolute fact. Look at the NCAA allowable hours. The team and the players, the players spend more time with the strength and conditioning coach than any other coach on staff throughout the year, period. End of story. They spend more time day-to-day with the strength and conditioning coach than any other coach on staff. It. Dan Mullen said it was the most important member of his staff. First thing he ever did was hire a strength and conditioning guy <laughs> when he got the job. And talk to some of those state players who played for Dan Mullen that first year about that first strength and conditioning offseason program they went through after he got the job. Talk to some of them. Talk to Jonathan Banks and some of those guys. It, it, it'd make you glad you didn't play. Talk to them. Jason and Flagstaff on the Divinity Equipment phone. What's up, Jason? Uh, nothing much. I just had a question about, uh, you know, everybody talks about the defensive players that were drafted off last year's team and I was just wondering how many seniors were lost off of that team completely you know just seniors everywhere that didn't get drafted or whatever all right so what's the question again I was just wondering how many seniors we had on last year's team that, yeah. that we had to replace this year because I, I everybody was with these eight win expectations and stuff and I'm just I never saw that with this team. I thought six or seven would be tops mm. with, you know, just the amount of seniors we were replacing. And and look, Jason, and I, you, you're nailing it too because look, it wasn't just Abram, Sweat, and Simmons. Okay, Mark McLaurin, a three-year starter at safety, who was what he was SEC Player of the Week once or twice in his career. Uh-huh. He was the MVP of their bowl game a couple of years ago. Big time player. He's with the Giants. Like I think he's made their squad or made their practice squad, one or the other. So you had, you know, him at one um, safety spot opposite of Abram. Then you had 
two defensive tackles in there with Jeffrey Simmons who were seniors in Braxton Hoyette and Corey Thomas. Look, coming into this year, Jason, they were like, you know, Kendall Jones is going to be a senior, and we really need to get him healthy. And he wasn't healthy in the spring. And then in the summer, we're going to get Kendall ready to go. Yeah, he's going to be a senior for you this year. Well, the last two years, he couldn't even crack the three deep. He couldn't get on the field because older guys ahead of him. Trey Brown was your fourth defensive tackle last year, a senior. So I think you're you're hitting on something there. Hey, music started. I got to run to a break. But it's always good to hear from you, Jason. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Certainly a lot of things to point to. Hour two coming up. Stick around. 